going to go to where we left off last time, week before last. Thank you, Father. Reading from Daniel 6.28. That's where we were last time. We'll go and pick it up. Amen. So, the King James Version says, this Daniel, this Daniel, he prospered during the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Father, we are grateful to you. We thank you for the beautiful time of worship. Thank you for the rich presence of God that fills this place. We give you glory and honor because it belongs to you and to you alone. We exalt your holy name, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Lord, we thank you because there is none like you, Lord. You wear the victor's crown. <laughs> Praise God. Lord, we walk behind that great Victor, and we thank you for the battle that you have fought for us. And you also equip us, Father, to fight our battles. This morning, as we linger in your presence, we pray that you will speak life into us. Lord, we pray that you would rejuvenate each and every one of us. Yank us out of a lethargic state, Father. And I pray that you would impress upon our minds, our hearts, the very counsel of God. Thank you, Father. Every resistance to the preaching of God's word, we bind them in Jesus' name. We take victory to God be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Please be seated. So we're going to do a quick recap, a three-minute re recap, and then we'll go into the next part, just so that people who were not here last time will know what we are talking about. We are talking about this Daniel, which Daniel, this Daniel, prospered during the reign of Darius and Cyrus the Persian. This Daniel. What was the reason? How could he prosper in a strange land? In a pagan land? In a land where everything was opposed to what they believed? Everything was different. How did he overcome? We said that, we started by saying that he purposed in his heart. He not only purposed in his heart, what he purposed in his heart, he made it practical in his life. Purposing in life is important. Having a resolve in our hearts are important. 
but it has to be manifested in our practical lives. Quite often, the manifestation in the practical life is absent in the lives of many Christians. When that happens, there is no fruit. We don't see a fruit. So what God expects is not only purposed in heart, but becoming practical in everyday life. Daniel purposed and it was practiced in his practical life, not only in that particular one first episode in his life, throughout his life, we see that it was manifested in his practical life. That's one. Number two, we said that he prayed. What do we do, we ask, when our world crumbles? When everything is working against us, when our backs are against the walls, when our dreams come shattering down, when the clouds are brewing in the horizon, dark clouds, when you don't see a silver lining in the cloud, when, no, when you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel, when health and wealth, everything comes down, what do you do? What did Daniel do? We said that Daniel did what? He prayed. And the uniqueness of his prayer was, within his prayer was praise. We saw the posture of prayer. We saw the pattern of prayer. We saw the petition in prayer. His prayer life was magnificent. Praise the Lord. Then we came to the part where we said that he pronounced. Pronounced what? The counsel of God. He was a man who served the Babylonian king, but he was a man who stood in the counsel of God. Praise God. Man who stood in the counsel of God. A man who stands in the counsel of God hears what's being spoken in the throne room of God. Praise the Lord. Daniel was a man who had an ear to the throne room of God. He heard what God spoke and therefore he was able to impart wisdom and the counsel of God. He was able to pronounce it. And we said it was not just simply pronouncing it, but we see that he was humble at the same time he was candid. Praise God. It is one thing to say the, the, the pronouncement that is heard. It is quite different to deliver it gracefully. Praise the Lord. Truth is received when it is delivered gracefully. Quite often when we speak the truth, there is so much emotion in it. There is so much zeal in it that we want to release it. And it's good that we release it but coupled with, mix it with grace so that it is received well. Praise the Lord. We see standing before the monarch, standing before the king, he could release God's pronouncement without diluting it. Yet, he did it in a graceful way. So much we ought to learn from his pronouncements. Praise God. Hallelujah. Releasing the word, but in such a way 
that it is received as well. So he pronounced, and that's where we were when we uh, left off last time. And we're going to pick it up where we left off. Let's go right back to where we were. We see that he's declaring, he's pronouncing, and there is so much wisdom in how he brings the pronouncements of God. He tells Nebuchadnezzar, Oh, I wish that this was about your enemies. I wish what you saw and the interpretation that I'm going to give you was about your enemies, but does not withhold any of the counsel of God. He presents it as it is. When he stands before Belshazzar, he starts by saying that you did not learn. I wish that you would have humbled yourself like your father and learned from what happened to him. Yet he delivers the message without diluting it. It's very interesting when we read the fourth chapter and the fifth chapter and we see how Daniel used King Nebuchadnezzar's conversion to affirm that the repentant people can reap the rewards of grace. When you repent, you can reap the rewards of grace, however bleak the past is. Praise the Lord. The pronouncement was made and it was fulfilled in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. And the Bible says, when he came to his senses and when he gave glory to God and acknowledged that God is above all, he was given a time back. Praise God. In other words, regardless of what our past is, how bleak our past is, praise God, how dark our deeds are, praise God, a person who repents of their sins God is a God who gives them a second chance. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen, regardless of where you are today, if you feel that you have violated the commands of God, violated the principles of God, has gone against everything that God says, if you repent, praise God, there is always a coming back, a provision that is allowed for you and for me. Praise God. We can never write people off. God is a God of second chance. And that's revealed through the book of Daniel. But when you come into the fifth chapter of Daniel, we see the flip side. That's also very important to understand. Daniel uses King Belsus's sacrilege. You know, he uses King Belsus's defilement and violation of what he did to the, the holy vessels of the temple, how he used it to violate and to defile those vessels. He uses that particular incident and he makes it very clear that the rebellious people reap the consequences 
of their action. However, their present is secure. Praise God. Belsasar is sitting in a very secure place. From Nebuchadnezzar, we understand because of his pride, God spoke a verdict against him. And then when he came to realization, God gave him a second chance. Belsasar is sitting in a very secure place. Do you know how secure he was? He had walls that surrounded Babylon that was 380 feet high. 380 feet high walls that surround Babylon. That's how secure he was. Do you know what 380 feet is? 380 feet is 30 stories of floor. 30 stories. Just imagine a building that is 30 stories high. That's how high were the walls that surrounded Babylon. It's not today. Today you can just go over. You have the stealth fighters. They can bomb. But those days it was not like that. Walls means it was security. Today we have the Iron Dome. Today we have all the other different mechanisms of defense. But those days those walls mean security. 380 feet high walls. 80 feet, 80 feet wide walls. The walls were 80 feet thick. Do you know how wide is this from this wall to this wall? Anybody, anybody has an idea? Huh? It's 60 from this feet, from this wall to this wall, 60. Now add 20 more. 80 feet wide walls, 380 feet high. And 270 watchtowers all around this, these walls. And he had food stored that would last 20 years. Imagine this. Food stored that would last without doing anything. Just simply taking the food from the Granary from the storage that would last for every inhabitant in the city for the next 20 years. Darius and Cyrus had come and they had sieged the city, but Belsasar was very sure because when he looked, he knew nobody could touch him. He realized that Babylon was invincible. That's the setting when the finger of God appears on the wall and writes the verdict on the wall. So when you read Daniel, you understand that when a person is repentant, God gives him a second chance. But when a person is proud and trusts in his own resources, in his own ability, there is not, he reaps the consequences of his action. Two equally evil king demonstrates two diabolically opposed message. You know what it is? God's complete pardon for those who are humble and repentant. And God's sure judgment 
on those who are proud. When we are at it, I want to show you one paradox here. The judgment that was spoken against Nebuchadnezzar, God gives him a window of 12 months. A window of 12 months. Before the verdict comes into existence. God gives a verdict to Belshazzar. Do you know what was the window? The Bible says that same night, Belshazzar was killed. Some get a longer window. Some get very short window. For some, it's a very short time. We don't know how much time we will get if we have to turn around. That's why the Bible says, today is a day of salvation. Don't bank on tomorrow. Don't bank on next week. Don't bank on next month. Don't bank on next year. You don't know. Daniel was a man who pronounced without holding anything back. That means God could count on him to deliver his counsel without diluting it. Can God count you, you and me? To deliver his counsel without watering it down. Without mixing our own stuff into it. As graceful as God wants us to be. He does not want us to dilute or water down. The word, the counsel of God. Praise God. His pronouncements was candid and it was very clear, but delivered gracefully. Next one. This is. Very interesting. Daniel was a student of prophecy. Meaning, he was a student of the word. He read God's word. He read the scriptures. And he poured himself into it. This was, this was a man who was a statesman. But he had time for the word of God. He had the time for the scriptures that was available at that time. He poured himself into those scriptures. A person who studies God's word. Who reads God's word. 
who memorizes God's word, who dives into God's word, is close to the heart of God. You want to know the mind of God? You want to know the counsel of God? You want to hear the voice of God? You want to be led by the Lord? Become a student of the word of God. Fall in love with God's word. Fall in love with God's word. I draw your attention to Daniel chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, and I'm going to read it out. In the first year of Darius, the son of Hasherus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. In other words, he was reading the prophet Jeremiah's book. As he read the scrolls, as it was recorded, in Jeremiah, Jeremiah the prophet had prophesied and he had written it down that the exile, the people of God will be captive in Babylon for 70 years. Reading the scripture or reading the, 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 the book of Jeremiah, Daniel realized that that time of captivity is going to be over. And he spurs into action. What does he do? The Bible says he starts praying. Confessing his sins. Daniel was taken as a captive in 606 BC by Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar. And we see the first year of the reign of Darius. It is after 70 years. So he calculates and he realizes that it's time. The time has come for the captivity to end and the people of God to go back. So Daniel starts praying. Start seeking the face of the Lord. When you read Ezra 1.1, you will understand how God was going to fulfill that promise. When you read Jeremiah 29.10, it's very clearly mentioned how many years the exile would be. What is the point in saying all these things? Daniel poured himself into the scripture and he understood what God was about to do. Praise God. Probably by now in his mid-80s, he had a very high place in the government. By praying and standing in the gap, he was offering himself as an instrument in the hands of God for God to use him. To fulfill the plan and the purpose of the Lord. In other words, he was in an influential place. He was positioned in an influential place. 
in the courts of the king. He could use that leverage to influence the outcome of a decision. Praise God. Would you make yourself available to God in any way for God to use you? Ezra takes a group of people back. Daniel doesn't go. Daniel is in the court palace. But he is an influential person willing to use his influence realizing what God is about to do. When he studies the scripture, he understands the unveiling of the timings of God. A 200-year-old prophecy is going to be activated. God was about to fulfill his promise. Daniel was in place, willing to do what he could do. He understood the timings of God. He was sensitive to the timings of God. In my imagination, I want to think like this. When he read the prophet Isaiah's book, in prophet Isaiah's book, it's written about chapter 44, chapter 45. It's written about Cyrus the king. And God calls him my shepherd, my anointed. He calls him by name. Two centuries before he was even born. And the prophecy about him is that God would use this king to let his people go. And to build the temple that was in ruins and rubble. An 85 year old old man walks into the emperor's chamber. Unrolls the scroll that talks about him and draws his attention saying, King, two centuries before you were born, God Almighty had written about you and called you by name. Can you imagine what would have gone through King Cyrus's heart? That two centuries before he was born, God had called him by his name and exactly written down by prophet Isaiah what was going to transpire as he's going to take over Babylon. Isaiah 44 and 45. And of course, Cyrus issues the edict and things start rolling. When you understand the timings of God, 
you become proactive and you are activated to do the will of God. Daniel was a man who read the scriptures, aligned himself to the timings of God. I want to draw your attention to someone in the New Testament. When Jesus was born, Anna the prophetess and Simeon the elderly man, they both understood and identified Jesus and acknowledged Jesus as the Savior. Why? Because they were led by the Spirit of God. But then there were the high priests and the scribes and the Pharisees who had all this information on their hands. They were constantly copying things down. They were constantly reading and debating and arguing. But they missed the coming of the Messiah. Folks, when you and I orient ourselves to the scriptures, we need to understand the timings of God. Praise God. What God is about to do. Daniel was a student of the prophecy, student of the word, and he understood what God was about to do. And what did he do? He humbled himself and started praying and preparing himself. He confessed his sin. He confessed the sins of his people. And he used his clout and his influence to do what? To convince a heathen king and to show him from the scripture that God Almighty had spoken about him and thereby encouraged the king to issue the edict. Praise God. When you and I orient ourselves to the scriptures, we understand the mind of God and the timings of God. The days of visitation. What does that mean? You know, in the Old Testament, there is a tribe called the tribe of Issachar. It is said about the tribe of Issachar, the uniqueness about them was they understood the seasons and the timings of God. They understood they had 200 men in them, renowned men in them, who understood the seasons and the timings of God. And they would plug themselves and align themselves to the programs of God based on the timings and the seasons of God regardless of how bleak the outcome might look. Regardless of what the norm was. Regardless of how many taboos they had to violate. They would because they understood the seasons and the timings of God. Daniel understood the seasons and the timings of God. What is the timings of God? In our chronological years, there are seasons. 2023, winter, spring, summer, fall. Chronologically, we have timings and we have seasons. That's the chronos time. We all are in the chronos time. 
And lots of plannings go according to the Kronos time. But then there is the Kairos timings of God. Kairos timings of God is when God moves. And God's people have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And to the will of God. And allow the Kairos travel with the Kairos moment of God. When God does his thing, understanding the visitation time of God, everybody who's in leadership should pray, Lord, help us to understand the Kairos moments of God so that we can align ourselves to your plan and to your program and move with the plan of God. Quite often the church is moving on a trial and error basis. If it works, it works. If it don't work, it don't work. That's a trial and error basis. No, God wants us to be people who move with the Kairos moments of God. God's timing. The Issachar tribe, they understood the timings of God. Likewise, God's people ought to be synchronized with the Holy Spirit to understand the momentum of God, the heartbeat of God, the pendulum of God's clock that beats and align ourselves to it. Daniel was a man who understood the timings of God. He didn't say, I'm old, I'm 85. How much more years for me? My time is up. I had a good life. Why bother about these guys? They deserve it. If they go back, good. If they don't go back, no. Not a man who's aligned with God. A man who's aligned with God has his heart knit together with the heart of God. And his heart beats with the same program that God's heart beats. And therefore he started praying and he started fasting and he started aligning himself. And he used this cloud, this influence with the king to reissue that edict. Praise God. Hallelujah. Knowing the timings of God. Shall we pray, Lord, help us to know the timings of God. Last night I got a text. Late night I got a text. They said, Pastor, I'm in anguish. I'm working on my sermon. I looked at the text and said, Pastor, I'm in anguish. So I wrote back. I said, are you in anguish because of the souls that are perishing? Well, that was not the case. Then I wrote, are you in anguish because of the lack of holiness? That was not the case. It was something else. But anguish of soul regarding the house of God, regarding the plight of the people of God, regarding the mind of God, regarding the programs of God. Let me ask you, have you ever felt that that, that weight upon you? Or do you say, hey, I'm done, I'm cool, I'm not worried about it. 
They call it the Hezekiah syndrome. You know what the Hezekiah syndrome is? The prophets come, the prophet Isaiah comes to, to Hezekiah and he says, what you've done is wrong. You allowed these Babylonians to come and see everything in your temple. And therefore God's edict is, you guys, your descendants will be taken away to Babylon. That's not a good word. It was a very, 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 very serious word. You know what Hezekiah said? This is what Hezekiah said. He says, it's not going to happen in my time. Therefore, that's the Hezekiah syndrome. And I think sometimes God's people also think like that. As long as I am not affected personally, it don't matter. No. Not a person who moves with the timings of God. You and I ought to be people who move with the timings of God. Concerned about the welfare of the programs of God. Concerned about the welfare of the church of God. And whether our role is direct or indirect, we are pouring ourselves into it because it belongs to Him. Praise God. Praise God. Can God count on us to understand the timings of God? Based on his word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Listen, he started by being a student of the prophecy. But he ends as a prophet of God. Hey, there's a lesson in there for us. When you handle this, when you handle this, and when you apply this, when you handle this and when you apply this in your personal life, and you start being faithful, God will entrust into your hands Things which are bigger than you. He starts studying about his nation, which is a small nation. He takes the prophecy of the Jeremiah, prophet Jeremiah, prophet Isaiah, and he learns them. And he, and he, and he encourages the king and he prays and he fasts and he beseeches God to fulfill that which was prophesied 200 years ago. God looks at this man and entrusts him with prophecies that are going to last all of mankind. Praise God. Wow. Praise God. How are you handling what God has given into your hands? Three students, two students, little ones, little ones. Are you pouring yourself into it? Into them? Five students, ten students. You're managing a department. How faithful are you? Praise God. Or is it just fulfilling the assignment and that's it? My job done, I'm walking away. 
Praise God. God entrusted Daniel with greater visions, greater prophecies that affects the church age and the age to come. Wow. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can God use us as instruments to usher the purpose of God? My time is running out. I want to finish this today. Portion. What about portion? Very interesting. Very interesting. First chapter starts by saying, And Daniel resolved, purposed in his heart, that he will not defile himself with the king's portion. Daniel ends with a words like this. Do you know what it says? As for you, go your way. Till way to the end. Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. Daniel 12.3 I want you to come with me. Portion. When you think about portion, what comes to your mind? Portion. There are portions that are inherited, that comes down from our parents, our forefathers. Some of you have those portions. Good. There are portions that are set aside by God. I don't have time to take all the reference, but the reference are there in the Bible. Samuel tells Saul, come and receive the portion that is set aside for you. So God sets portions, or in other words, God assigns or allots portion to us. Portions that men work for and they claim it. Portions that people like Daniel would voluntarily abstain from even though it's rightfully theirs because it defiles them. Come with me, church. Daniel did not ask for it. The king decided to give a portion of his meal to Daniel because he was entering into an internship or into the service of the king. Daniel says, I am not going to defile myself by the king's portion. I wonder if Daniel had this in his mind. The psalmist David puts it like this. You are my personal Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. Listen, come with me church.
I am being offered a portion. I look at the portion. Daniel looks at the portion. It's good. It's undeserving. It's in a strange land. It's in a pagan land. It opens a door of opportunity. It opens a world of opportunity. One small, seemingly insignificant thing. Touching that would defile him. Based on the hygiene and dietary laws that are given. Or based on the fact that these foods were offered to idols. Daniel says, I'm not going to defile myself by indulging myself into the portion that is offered to me. Why? He has a greater picture. He says, Lord, you are my portion. If you are my portion, I can willfully, voluntarily say no to this portion. Church, believers, children of God, disciples of Jesus Christ, we can say no to the portion that the world offers which can contaminate us when we look and set our sights on him. When we say, Lord, you are my portion, you are our portion, we are able to say no and step back from any offers that the world offers that can contaminate our lives, that can defile our lives, that can bring unclean things into our lives. But for that, you need to have a greater picture. Sammy says, you are my portion, O Lord. If you are my portion, I have said, I have made a determination, and I have made a decision that I will keep what? Your words. Becoming a man and a woman of God's word means not only reading them, not only memorizing them, but keeping them. And when you keep them, you would have to say no to the portions that the world offers. Now, listen to me. When you say no to the portion that can defile you because you say, God, you are my portion, do you know what God does? He guards your portion. He guards your portion. Somebody read Psalm 16.5. He guards your portion. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my lot. Lord, you have assigned. Listen, listen, listen. Listen, listen, listen. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my Lord. Listen. Be sure that your portion is assigned by God. Praise God. Do you know what you get when that happens? The next part. Listen, read. Ah! 
you not only assign me my portion, you secure it. In other words, God says, I have given this portion to Stanley, and I will stand by it. I won't let you touch it. I won't let anyone take it. I won't let anyone steal it. I won't let anyone take it. When we are sure about that, insecurity disappears. When we are not sure what we have is from God, we are insecure and we try to do what? We try to defend it. We try to hold on to it. We try to fight for it. We try to, we try to do everything in our power to do it. But what God gives, God secures it. Praise God. Tell the Lord this morning, Lord, I only want what you give me. Because what you give me, you will back it up. You will secure it. You will cover it. My lot is safe with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of plots, a lot of schemes, a lot of things goes against Daniel. Plots, persecution, but God preserves him. God protects him. And you know what? He gets his lot because his lot was protected by who? You and I don't have to fight for it. You don't have to fight for it. Praise God. You just wait. Just wait. Just wait. And the waiting process means sometimes you'll have to go in the lion's den. But the one who assigns the lot, he not only protects the lot, secures the lot, he also secures the owner of the lot. Hey, it's not about the portion, man. It's about you and me. But you and I have to come to a place where we say, Lord, you are my portion. <laughs> Lord, you are my portion. Once God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, do not be afraid. I am your exceedingly great reward and shield. Abraham says no to the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. God appears and says, hey, don't be afraid. I am your shield. I will give you the covering. And I am your exceedingly great reward. If God is of a portion, do you think anything else can match with that portion? Anything that the world offers can match with that portion? Maybe catch vision of that. So God secures our portion here, here. 12.3. Work is done. Assignment is over. Man is an elderly man. The captives have gone back to Jerusalem. They are building the temple. The king has issued the decree. The wealth is going from the king's treasury. The king has released all those vessels, holy vessels that came from the temple has gone back. Daniel is ready to retire. God tells Daniel, as for you, O Daniel, go your way till the end. You rest 
and you shall rise up to receive your allotted portion. Portion here and portion there. Did you say no to the portion of the world? Are you regretting it? Don't, 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 don't. Don't lose vision of God the portion. Praise God. If you say no to the worldly portions that the world offers to you without God's involvement in it, God will give you a portion that no one can steal it. He will stand for it. He will stand behind it. And not only that, the story doesn't end there. You and I serve an eternal God who has given us eternal life. Life here is short. We're going to go there. When we go there, God says, I have an allotted portion for you. Praise God. This Daniel was prosperous. During the reign of Darius and Cyrus the Persian. The prosperity that God offers is one of a kind. It comes when we purpose in our heart, when we pray, when we pronounce, when we study prophecy and become an instrument in the hand of God and tell God, you are my portion, I will keep your word. He says, I have allotted a portion for you that nobody can take it away from you. And it's here and it's there. God bless you with this word. All eyes closed. We're going to pray. Would you become an instrument in the hands of God? To usher the purpose of God. To usher the plannings of God. Would you pray, Lord, help me to discern the timings of God. Help me to understand the chaos moments of God. Help me to understand what the Spirit of God is saying at this moment. Help me to stand in the council room of God. Help me to use my influence. If God has called me to be an Ezra, to be an Ezra. If God has called me to be a Nehemiah, to be a Nehemiah. If God has called me to be a Daniel, to be a Daniel. Lord, whether I am involved directly or whether I am involved indirectly, Lord, I'm available. I'm available. Lord, give me the wisdom to understand that the portions that can defile me, help me to only embrace the portions that are assigned by God. Because your word says, you will protect And there is an allotted portion for me here and there. Would you yield yourself to him? One second. Shoot a prayer from the depth of your heart. Worried that somebody will steal your portion? Somebody will take your portion away? Is it God's portion? Nobody can take it away. No one can take it away. Because he says, I will secure that lot. 
You make sure. You make sure it's a portion from God. The next verse goes like this. I set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Make sure that you see, set the Lord always before you. And he will make sure that you will not be moved. Father, we yield our lives to you. Thank you for speaking to us. Lord, help us to live by the word that we preach, that we speak, and that we hear. Thank you for the portion that you assign us. Give us the wisdom to identify Give us the assurance of the fact that we are secure in you. What you have given us is secure. Help us to make sure that you yourself are our portion. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, Amen.